0: The amazing world of Doctor Who, there have been fantastic doctors, adventures, thrills and monsters to wonder at over the past 60 years, but what many people take for granted are the props used in these wonderful journeys through space and time. I'm Jason and welcome to the Trap One podcast. Today's podcast, myself and Mark are joined by those wonderful architects of science fiction, the team from the Little Prop Shop. Welcome guys. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Okay, so just um, to introduce yourselves, um, because we've got three of you from the company, uh, if you'd like to just uh, give us a brief, um, like, hello, and um, how you kind of, like, came into the world of Doctor Who and uh, basically uh, got involved with prop making.
1: Well, getting into the world of Doctor Who, I actually first started with a vhs tape i sort of found in the garage um which was a recording of the time meddler the mind robber the daemons and the sea devils all on sort of one thing i think there must have been some sort of doctor who night where um my dad sat down and recorded all of them back to back on this vhs tape so i i'd watched it there originally and then it kind of it was it was just before 2005 i think and then in 2005 my dad sat me down and went Okay, Doctor Who is actually back now, so we're going to watch that. And then from there, I was kind of hooked um, until eventually in 2013, I made a full-size Dalek with my garage, uh, with, my garage with my granddad in my garage. Wow. Um, and uh, and from there, just started to work on making other props from the show until it eventually rolled into some sort of career. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I got started.
2: I started... Watching Doctor Who in 2006, I think the first episode I watched was uh, Runaway Bride on Christmas Day with my family, uh, and was hooked from there. And then in terms of sort of props and things like that, it was sort of born out of lockdown boredom, um, and not having anything else I needed to do, and having a 3D printer, um, and having enjoyed DT at school, and thought, yeah... Why not? I'll I'll give this a shot um, and just start making things for myself, and it sort of just snowballed from there. Really.
3: Well, uh, for me, um, my mum and auntie have always been into Doctor Who ever since they were little. So when Doctor Who came back, obviously they sat me down. I I watched it with them. I remember bits of Eccleston, but when Tennant came on, that was when I was really hooked from the start of new Who. Really, Um, and then I've always been collecting the toys ever since I was a kid. So when the one company, tenths on it came out. I, I bought a few of those and I was modifying them. So I guess you could say that was the start of my prop making career, if you if you wish. But um, I really started in university, in first year of university. Um, I went to like an engineering build space and they taught me how to model with Fusion. So I started modeling some Doctor Who things and just did a bit of 3D printing on a 3D printer I'd recently bought and that's how it kicked off for me, really. Just hobbyist.
4: Brilliant. I don't know about you, Jason. That makes me feel old when uh, when we speak to the fans who like <laughs> their first stories were, like the runaway bride when they were kids and stuff. <laughs> if, if it makes you feel old, I'm
0: positively aged. <laughs> it's not often I'm the oldest one on the podcast, but here we go. <laughs> so um, you talk about, obviously, like how you came into the show. Um, was it... Um, was it the fascination of, like, you know, the props that they used, like the sonic screwdriver and that kind of thing? And was it was it tied in, like, with, um, you know, the behind-the-scenes program, um, Doctor Who Confidential? Did you watch that and were you, like, wondered, like, how things were made and did that lead into, like, you know, what turns into a hobby then and
1: turns into a, a company? Well, I mean, with Doctor Who Confidential, that's very interesting because they actually very rarely gave us any look at the props, which is mm, I was infuriating. Say. Yeah, like there is there is so much. I I, I love Neil Gorton at Millennium Effects, but I can only see so many prosthetics made before I go. Would you Would you please kindly take us to the prop store so I can see a sonic screwdriver <laughs> get put together or something I actually really would like to see. Um, but no, I nothing against them, but effectively. Uh, yeah, they just never showed it. So there was this gap in my mind, at least, where I was like, well, what what, what happened there? Why? What, what? What is the story behind all of that? Which is what more fascinated me was the fact they didn't show me the magic behind the curtain on that front, because then I wanted to find out more. And in fact, I at least didn't really comprehend that these things were made or they didn't just show up you know magically or or real so like when i sort of started to think oh my god someone makes these things like how did that happen with the dalek for instance i came across project dalek this website where they build daleks and everything and i kind of went oh there's plans like you can you can build these things like this is this is uh feasible to actually do something with um so that was it for me at least i don't know about the the other gentleman in the call
2: what drew me to the props of doctor who is because it is such a crazy and wonderful world and you can watch any tv show and props are everywhere you know you watch a police drama and all their police badges and stuff like that that's all props and all made by somebody but in a show like doctor who or like you know things like star trek and star wars that's such a rich universe of just bonkers things that you can't help but fall in love with the little gadgets that show up on screen and i found i always had like kaz i had the 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 toys as a kid and always found that they just weren't right like they weren't they didn't work in the same way that they worked on the show like you know when uh tenant would press the sonic screwdriver and slide it up and the light would stay on the toy didn't do that so i was like okay right how do i get from there to there and then started researching the props and saw how they were sort of done and everything like that and tried my best to emulate those so that was sort of where i i sort of started i guess
3: yeah in a similar manner to what Josh is saying, I think when you see that the props weren't like I mean the toys weren't quite as right as the props, it's probably when I found like forums online that would have like detailed histories of the actual props with people who had already done the research. so looking at all that was quite interesting, and that's probably what drew me in. yeah
4: mm. about the exhibitions, like the the doctor experience, things like that were, were they things that you were drawn to so
2: you could get to see the stuff kind of close up. I wish I'd been able to go. I, I grew up um, uh, overseas, so I never managed to get down to um, Cardiff to see the exhibition. It actually closed the year before I moved back to the UK. So oh. that was always <laughs> heartbreaking for me because I I wanted so badly to uh, go to the um, like Doctor Who exhibition and, and wander around the amazing sets and see all the props and costumes and stuff that they had on display. Um, but James, I know, has been... Or you yeah, went. I, I used to go quite a lot
1: to them. I, I, I first went to the Red Dragon Center one in 2010, um, which was very exciting to sort of get to walk around there and see all of these amazing things in person. Um, again, as i said there was a level of i didn't just comprehend that they were real until like because I, I didn't get to go to any of the proms in like the early bits where you'd see monsters mm-hmm. walking around you or anything i don't know what i was doing i don't know what i was busy doing rather than designing absorber lofts or whatever you know I, I didn't take part in anything doctor who related despite being a massive fan of it until 2010 when i suddenly went wow okay there's loads of stuff here again again with the toys i had the toys but i like I had one screwdriver. I didn't get any like the extra ones. So I didn't quite realize they were physical items. Um, so yeah, unlike the others, um, but with the exhibition, I mean, <laughs> I went so many times that they, they would send a radio signal around the uh, thing saying he's in here again. Um, he will try and touch the props. Please, please do keep an eye on him. Um, which is just because they did it wrong. Like, David Tennant's suit should only ever be buttoned up the first three buttons, not all four, but they always buttoned it up all four, so I kept going, well, undo that one then. And Capaldi's hoodie was always zipped right up to the top, but he only had it zipped up like an inch at the bottom, so I kept going, well, there we go then. Why would you Why would you do that? Who works? Um, so, you know, it was a, a constant battle. But, uh, yeah, no, I visited them quite a lot and got to sort of understand and know the props and document them, which then, later found use when we started doing what we do now, because I would have like this cache, a cache of sort of images of props and stuff that I, I don't know why I took all the pictures I just did. And then later on, they turned out to be quite useful. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I I took some pictures in 2010 of the props when I was like 11 and, and there's some of them are the best images we have of those props to this day. And I keep going, Oh, thank God. I, I brought along a camera. This is great. Thank you. Me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know about the... I mean, no one else seemingly went to any of the exhibitions. But I got to work on the um the the stage show they did in London, which had most of the props as well from the exhibitions loaned to it. So it was nice to be able to see them in person and to be able to touch them without getting told off.
4: Fantastic. Which stage show was that?
1: Uh, that was Time Fracture, the um, ah, immersive right, one that was in Bond yeah. Street. Um, I did a few props for that and then also got to help organize the sets because they'd kind of been given boxes of random props from across the entire history of the show and no one really knew what half of them were and then i sort of i was only being shown around i was being given a little tour of the place while i was dropping off the props i'd made um and then some one of the actors went uh, do you know what this is to the art director and he went I haven't got a clue and i just had to go out oh, the, the dna bomb from torchwood that john hart gets attached to him and they went oh you know what that is and i went yeah and then they went well what's this one and I went, "Oh, it's this and five hours later i had i had identified everything in the building and started to reorganize um so uh, it was it was uh, a, a fruitful trip uh wasn't expected i had to explain to my uh, my girlfriend at the time being like uh hi uh yeah i, I will be late um they've they've <laughs> let me start organizing things um, <laughs> <laughs> i'd found i'd found giuseppe's puzzle box in the torchwood hub but that's from the sarah jane episode but giuseppe was leonardo da vinci's neighbor and they happened to have a leonardo da vinci sort of set in the other room so surely that should go there and that's how you lose five hours very quickly <laughs> absolutely amazing so i mean was it
0: from a combination of, of obviously you're starting to make these things yourself at home so how did that kind of like transition then like like in James's like uh, example, like then to like actually working behind the scenes, and then obviously getting to like you know um, contribute
2: contribute props to the actual like series as well. Well, we had we we thought we'd figured out how we managed to work on the um, on the collection box set that we've just done. Um, uh, <laughs> James put out a tweet when Katie Manning. Um, did her baby Sea Devils uh, short with Pete, and they'd used the Sonic lipstick toy, and <laughs> James was like, "Come on, guys, I exist. I would have lent you know <laughs> loads to you." <laughs> I've then, got three uh, in my room currently. <laughs> like, you, I like, just take one. Um, <laughs> and then, and then a few months later, we got James got a message from um, from Pete, who does the collection box sets, um, saying, "Hey, we're working on this one." Uh, like to inquire after some props so we thought that was the reason (laughs) that we managed to get into that uh into that room but um no it just turns out he'd he'd followed James for a while um and and the stuff he'd done on time fracture and and various other bits and and yeah it's quite a lot of it is as with a lot of things in sort of the creative industries is is who you know and right place right time James has got a whole host of uh connections within the industry I mean he did work experience at, like, Millennium FX with Neil Gorton and um, at Rubbertoe Props with Nick Robato, who was the prop maker on the show for a very long time. So, you know, that was he's the been ingraining these, these connections from a young age. Yeah, because the Nick Robato thing
1: was effectively... he He's the person who made the screwdrivers for like... Uh, well, he, he modified the 10th Doctor One, but then like he made the laser screwdriver and the Matt Smith ones and the Capaldi's and the Jodies and all that kind of stuff. So he'd been working on that. And so the way that had come about was I had made... A, when I was about 15, I made a fourth Doctor Sonic screwdriver um, and posted about it on Instagram. And Nick saw that and we started to get talking and he said he liked my work. It was sharp and that kind of stuff. And he invited me along... To come and do work experience with him when i was in college and so i went and did work experience with him for like a week or so and i got to make an 11th dr sonic screwdriver and make a few products for him and so forth and then he then went i don't know anything really about the classic era of doctor who but you've obviously already made a fourth dr sonic screwdriver would you make the prototype for me of the official fourth dr sonic screwdriver um, that i want to make as a, a, a replica for the bbc and so I was like, yeah, of course. So I did that one. And then I did the Romana screwdriver after that. Um, and then it kind of kept rolling from there because then Neil Gorton saw that I was working with Nick and said, hey, would you like to come along and do work experience at Millennium Effects? So the next year of college, I did Millennium Effects for a week um, working there where we did some stuff for this movie called Slaughterhouse Rules with um, Nick uh, Frost and Simon Peggin and Michael Sheen. And then... From there, yeah, it just kind of kept rolling that people would see me posting online that I'd made these props for these things. And then the art director of Time Fracture popped up and at that point, lockdown had kind of happened. Um, And he, I, I was making a timey-wimey detector from Blink. I was acquiring the sort of pieces you need to make one of those. Um And uh he went, we, we really want one of these for the stage show. And he gave me sort of a shopping list of, could you make these for me? Because I posted about these all these props and and i went yeah of course cool so i did that and whilst i was doing that um i then ended up getting asked to work rob all stop and associates which then they were working on legend of the sea devils at the time and it, it keeps it's one of these things that kept sort of rolling from people seeing me doing other things to eventually um where we are now where you know you kind of end up having done enough stuff that people ask you to to do things um
4: so yeah and how did you all find each other? That was that through online and and um,
2: kind of putting your work online, that kind of thing. Yeah, we were all sort of doing like minded things, I think. Yeah. And then, um, it was it was really yeah. Scott Hancock
1: at War. Uh, so Scott Hancock, who's the current script editor for Doctor Who, he, he was working at Big Finish at the time as a producer, writer, and director, and so forth. Um, And he wanted a Warmaster's laser screwdriver made. So Lee Binding had made this prop out of kit-bashed images on the cover of one of the Warmaster box sets. Um, And he had asked for... um, He asked me if I could make him uh, a laser screwdriver from it, a real version of it that he could have, um, and that they could end up using in promotional material and so on. Um, But I couldn't do it by myself, at which point, during the sort of lockdown period, me and Kasim here and, and our other uh, colleague Dan had started speaking, and we'd worked together to make this um, Idiot's Lantern, this this portable TV from that episode, um, just, just as a sort of um, thought exercise, really. Um, and at that point, we came together to make that for Scott, and that was the first sort of collaboration, which then led to us ending up doing more work at Big Finish, making some uh, props for the Dalek Universe 2 trailer that came out uh, and then later Josh here joined us as well because we we ended up getting so much sort of work that we needed to, to bring extra people in to make because we couldn't handle the the, the workload by ourselves um, and so then it just kept rolling from there really but that's how it sort of formed and started.
0: And is it from that point of view, that obviously, with the serendipity of like what's happening and you kind of like, you know, getting to know each other online and obviously then coming together, is that when the idea came to actually like form the company?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very much a case of, um, originally it was just like we, we would put our all of our logos together on on the posts it would be all of our sort of um individual um icons that we'd use when we when we sort of put our portfolios up but we kind of went this is a lot of like icons like it would be easier if we had just one banner that we all sort of fell underneath um and so that's when we sort of formed little shop props um to sort of go from there, obviously it, it was it was sort of doctor who themed in a way, obviously you know the you know I like a little shop uh and everything yeah. like that but uh <laughs> but uh it uh it obviously was we just we, we i think it was just literally we it was untidy and we wanted somewhere we could put our work as well yeah, like, it like was a just
3: like a page, just an instagram page before it was a company, like we were just like <laughs> po- it was just a collaborative like place to post basically like that's how it was it a lot of
2: just like renders of of models that yeah that had been done and and occasionally a few physical things but it was a lot of just like very much started as a portfolio like if you look back at the, the start of the little shot props instagram it is just like renders of props that were done to see if we could do like make these things and, and replicate them to a high level in terms of of a physical model a digital model and everything like that and then after a while it sort of gained traction we started doing some more physical things and and people took notice and and we got various jobs from it and and so on and so forth so it's sort of just like james said kind of a rolling thing like a snowball effect um yeah and ended up doing uh, collection box set trailers and and tales of the TARDIS and and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing to think about.
0: <laughs> it's it, it's a really fascinating story. It, it does actually remind me of uh, there's a similar kind of like Star Wars parallel because um, there's a group that obviously make like things like R two D two units mm. and asteroids, and their work was actually. Um, Like um, seen by Lucasfilm, and they were invited to then um, contribute and make the R two units for um, the sequel trilogy. So it's kind Mm. of like, in a way, it's kind of like similar to your journey as well. Yeah. So I mean, what kind? I'm I'm really interested in what goes into the actual making of your props, because obviously, um, Josh, you mentioned that you know you 3D printing, Mm -hmm. and then like obviously you started doing renders to see if things were like you know. Are, you know, able to like actually make the, the thing. So what kind of technologies do you use besides the 3D printing? Obviously, I presume there's a lot of mechanics involved with certainly with the ones like that sonic screwdrivers, which have like a, a metal
2: side to them. Yeah, definitely. So Kaz and I do a lot of the physical stuff. Um 3D printing takes up a whole lot of that because it is such a it's a quick but it's also a reliable way of making something exactly how you've designed it digitally um but we also do lathe work um Kaz is our sort of electronics specialist uh so he does a lot of programming of various boards and things like that like in the collection box set trailer the wayfinder that we did has spinning lights and stuff like that so he designed this entire um you know, Light sort pod. of electronics pod uh, to facilitate that, but it's 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 a range of things. For for some metal parts, we send out to like CNC, uh, which means we just send off a digital model and we get exactly what we need back. Uh, Two for those exact who dimensions. don't know on cnc is uh, it's computer numerical control
1: which is where the machines actually cut the the metal pieces for us so you know, yeah I, I, i've said i've said it before in like podcasts and stuff and then i have the blankest look at someone back at me and i go oh yeah right uh, cNC means, means this machine because uh, we, we know what we mean but uh, some people might not um so i was just
0: imagining somebody like tolling over like in a metal workshop like you know making all these cylindrical objects to, like I mean,
1: like some stuff. of it
3: is that i mean yeah some, of, some like, of it is you know, is that i i I um,
1: me and my, my granddad terry often fulfill that role if it's like a one-off prototype or yeah. if it, uh, uh, we need it quickly um for instance we did a photo shoot with paul mcgann last year and we needed just a one-off eighth doctor style screwdriver for him uh, at which point that was a well we can't order in multiple of them we'll have to go for a smaller number size which is just i went into the garage and put it together um, but it does really depend on the process you're going for as well, for what what prop you're building. Um, for instance, uh, Kaz here does the level work for the... We did the official psychic papers that Rubbertoe sold. We we supplied those, and Kaz obviously does all the level work for that. But in that case, it's about making a pattern, cutting all the fabric out, and then stitching it together and everything. Whereas, yeah, as Josh was saying, with the 3D printing, it depends if we're working on something that requires... Uh, a model to be printed but if it's metal then cnc comes into play or lathe work where you end up using that so it's really it it is a case-by-case thing where you approach it differently depending on that but uh, a lot of work does go into the the various things we do i mean the other thing is uh, dan who's our modeler he he's sort of in every single project because nine times out of ten the project will require uh, an original model whether it's a technical drawing of a screwdriver or if it's actually the thing that they'll end up printing out, because uh, you need that side of things. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, whether or not we use, we started using 3D scanning recently, um, which allows you to scan physical objects into the computer, and then reprint that out and modify them in inside the computer space. Um, I mean, Conrad's quite keen to have his head scanned to make an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
1: so uh, so uh, yeah so there, there's stuff like that which we can employ um, but again as i said it's case by case what we actually go for when we make these things yeah it's um, very dependent on on the project i mean we made uh we, we restored recently a, a cyberman for the uh, the who shop in london um they managed to get win at auction an original screen used Cyberman. it was the pandorica cyberman the one that attacks amy um so that costume but it was missing some parts so for that project we utilized a bunch of skills we went and scanned in an original cyberman head um and then josh here reprinted it out so he printed out the model we took of that head um and it's one-to-one so then we could replace that head bit then but then also kaz um modeled the whole sort of crotch section from scratch using blender um and then the the other thing was also That was the mix, actually. With the um, actually, there was a mix on all of them, actually, because with mm. the hands yeah, we scanned was. in my hands doing that, and then Kaz built on top of them the Cyberman style gloves, which then Josh printed out, and then we attached to the mannequin. So even um, the head
3: needed like some weathering on it, so yeah. I had to go and, yeah, and sort yes, the it. And stuff
1: yeah we're overachievers, yeah. so we went uh, we we decided to not only print out these parts but actually weather them and match them to the missing parts that were originally there so like the Cyberman heads obviously quite damaged when it was the the underhenge one yeah. uh, and so with that we ended up adding all the sort of rust effects on and the broken handle that was coming out of the head and stuff like that um so yeah
4: so probably an obvious thing to say, but the dawn of 3D printing allows you, because you're all quite spread out, aren't you? So mm. in terms of working remotely from each other, that, that allows you to design something in one place and and, and kind of print it out in another. It's, um, it's yeah, almost definitely. like the stage of Logopolis in a way, isn't it? Of, of, sort of creating <laughs> things from, uh, you know, kind of mathematical designs and things like that. It's uh, predicted yeah. all those years ago. I'm always on my little beads,
1: you know, moving them over.
4: Um, But, uh,
1: but, yeah, well, that's the thing, because obviously at the time, I think Josh was living in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. um, But then me and Dan had gone down to a a pub in, like, South London to scan in this Cyberman head. Um, And so, like, a lot of these things, yeah, as you say, happened, and then Kaz was in Manchester. um, So it was kind of, we were able to um, do things in different places um, fairly easily without actually having to meet uh, with these things, and then and then a big box of Cyberman parts appears down at the Who shop in London to sort of be put onto the mannequin. Um, so it's it is very easy with the dawn of three D printing and the dawn of um, sort of this this level of communication to be able mm-hmm. to actually run a company in different parts of the country without actually having
4: to ever physically be in the same place at the same time. And they mentioned the tales from the TARDIS was the first the first prop that was seen on on screen, so that's the the screwdriver that uh, Clyde and Joe were fighting over. Is that right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, That came about in a, in a weird way. We were down in, in Wales working on uh, a run of screwdrivers with, yeah, the wide slider screwdrivers with Nick and his, his replica company, um, the officially licensed one with the BBC. And it was the same weekend that we bought down the props for Pete for the collection box set trailer so we were, you know, we went round to his and, and delivered the props and then the next day uh we went back to work on the the screwdrivers with Nick and he, he came in and he was like, Oh, you know, got this job from production. They need a, a John Pertwee style sonic screwdriver. And we were like, Oh, can we assist I, you here? Yeah.
1: I, I I basically looked him dead in the eye and went, You know I'm doing that right, you know. Like, like, there's, there's no way I've done this level of research uh, to watch you put this together. Um so uh, from the, he 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 didn't let us do it quite at first, he, but there, there was a little bit of wearing down. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he finally went. Ah, oh, you're you you really want to do this, don't you? I was like, yes, yes,
2: yes we do. Um, well,
1: he, so, he had
2: the tenants. He had all of the Matt Smith ones. He had the Capaldi ones, and he had the laser screwdriver. He's pen, time. the river. Just just let us have one at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, just 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 let us have this. Throw it um, a bone. So yeah, it was so quite we, a we,
2: weird, weird turn of events just like delivering something to Pete and then suddenly get the screwdriver through and we're like, okay, well this is weird. We're in Wales f- working we on Doctor Who busy. props.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well the Pete thing had come about because um we were speaking about how are we going to get the props to you and um he said oh I'll get a courier and then I went when do you need them by and he was like oh next week we need them to be filmed with and then I realized I was like, well this weekend we are travelling to Wales. Do you live in Cardiff? And he was like Yeah yeah so I was like oh okay well we'll be 20 minutes away so we may as well just bring them with us and then come round. so we did that um and then yeah this this sort of tales of the tardis stuff came from nick and the screwdriver was odd though to make because we were having to use whatever we could sort of
2: find around the workshop we didn't have enough time to make it was literally like a two-day thing he got the call on like the monday and it needed to be shooting on wednesday or something like that so it was like Mm. there was no time yeah I mean that was
1: the, the, it was it was quite fascinating because we had to sort of pull together as a team very quickly to put this thing together because we all kind of vaguely knew what we, we had to do because um, he'd done obviously the fourth doctor screwdriver, so there were bits of fourth doctor screwdrivers and the fourth doctor screwdriver was converted from the third doctor's original prop. so you've kind of got most of the DNA there um, but obviously there were differences enough and the interesting thing was converting backwards is harder than doing it the other way around because you know you you can't you can't go backwards easily whereas you can go forwards because that's how it went so um we had to undo some of the modifications they made for tom baker's screwdriver like for instance the uh the black bit underneath the red halo sits a little bit higher on tom so we had to drill down into the body of the tom baker one so that it sits a little bit higher like the john Pertwee ones this is very specific but uh um <laughs> interestingly the mo- one, one thing i found really fun was uh the fact that he had sold most of his tom bakers at that point so there were very few parts around so the handle on the tails of the tardis screwdriver was actually the prototype i had made that i mentioned previously from the fourth doctor run when i was like 17 because it was like the only one that was left lying around um and then uh so that, that, so that was quite a weirdly full circle moment that it did end up being used in another capacity um but then the rest of it was the sort of Rubber Toe fourth Doctor stuff with Josh. Josh did all the sort of paint work on it with um, Nick then doing the tape work on it. And then Kaz had done some 3D printing for the inside and
2: we used Dan's model. So as I said, we all sort of pulled together to put this thing um, together. We're massive fans of Casey Manning as well. So it was lovely to see her using one of our props on screen. <laughs> yes, we love Casey. You break it? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, actually, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't, which is rare for her i would say <laughs> yeah we we did yeah. a we did a a phantom event last march and um we brought along a uh dmat circuit, DMAT circuit f- to do a shoot um with her holding it uh, and she dropped it and you know they're very fiddly with all the little wires and stuff like that and wires all came out and it was like okay yep classic she was like I remember doing with that on the set <laughs> I was like yep yeah, of course you did <laughs> we've left
1: it broken it's yeah.
2: accurate to Katie Manning now so unique
0: joke around circuit <laughs>
2: yeah
0: <laughs> it must be quite rewarding then to see your um, kind of like the fruits of your labor like you know being seen then on on television
2: yeah it was kind of a nuts moment and it was like really cool as well that it was sort of part of the lead up to the 60th and that whole celebration as well um it's also the first bit of sarah jane adventures
1: related (laughs) content we'd gotten in ages i mean like like obviously there's been screen content sarah jane but like actual seeing clyde langer rock back up and everything like that it was like oh okay, this is, this is mad because this is the one I really wanted to work on. Like, out of all, I mean, all of them were brilliant, but if I was to have chosen which one I could have gotten to be a part of, that one was the one that had the most significance, especially with like, the whole three Doctors and everything. It's very yeah. weird to be able to say we retroactively worked on something involving William Hartnell, Patrick Chowen, and John Pertwee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then, obviously, with the collection box set trailer, they have Tom Baker pop up at the end, so we've managed to get the first four um, mm. <laughs> by complete chance.
2: Uh, so easy. Yeah, no, it was quite it was quite surreal. It was it was very cool though. We had no idea what it was for. Nick just said production wants this. So for about two and a half months afterwards we were like going through all the Instagram posts going, Could it be that? Have they like reshot something to do this? Like we had no idea what it was for and then um and then they announced Tales of the TARDIS was coming on to player, we were like yeah it could be that there's a high chance it could be that especially with like katie manning and stuff like that and and the, and the timing and the memory tardis and all that kind of stuff um but uh yeah it was it was definitely surreal i'd say and that memory tardis set must have been quite
4: interesting for you i guess as well It's sort of packed to the rafters with uh with props and uh we found yeah. some stuff in the background of uh I've, I've been pausing it and sort of yeah. and,
1: and even now i I I've looked at one of the pictures the other day and I zoomed in and I went I didn't spot that the first time I can't remember what it was but it was just something in the background I was like oh you're here oh it was the one of the bombs from Planet of the Ood that they put around the brain at the end uh, it, was, it was like oh you're there which I hadn't, which hasn't been seen since I think the Black archives said it was just on one of the shelves mm. when we walked past and I was like this place is full of references this is amazing um, yeah they
2: really did uh, just yeah. grab all the stuff
4: yeah, interviewed Sophie Aldred a couple of months ago on here, and and she when she was on the set, she was kind of looking around. She found Bill Potts' student ID card, things like that. I think they weren't <laughs> really even so. seen, um, but were just kind of on the shelves around. So they they put so much kind of effort to, into the detail of it.
2: Yeah, um, definitely. It, I mean, it was amazing looking, and and lots of little details, and and a couple of teasers. Shooty's uh, jukebox was up behind. Um, the main console bit and uh, one of the, the new TARDIS roundels was on the wall and stuff like that. Obviously, nobody knew what they were yet. Um, but, yeah, they kind of just snuck a couple of things in there to say, oh, yeah, when you see this, you'll recognize that. Um, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. They did a, a great job on that.
1: I mean, the other thing that I found really interesting about the set, which I'd, I'd messaged uh, one of my friends from production when I'd seen – pictures of it um, in the the Doctor Who magazine, I kind of went, why have you got Paul McGann's TARDIS buttresses? Because they can't be the original ones, because they were they were in America, and, the, and you never had them. So why does the BBC have these? What are you doing? Um, and then they were part of the set. Uh, they were whole. You know, they were actually in there. And I was just like, I see. This is what tomfoolery you were up to. <laughs> I, I t- I'm not sure if that was a deliberate spoiler they'd put in there, or if they'd just taken a picture of something, not knowing that they pictured probably the only thing that was like odd out of the set. Because like mm. everything else, I could explain. They're probably moving storage around because they would said that they have a guy coming in to archive things. But that was the only thing I was like you shouldn't exist. What are you doing here? <laughs> Who's? What? Why have they made you? Um, but no, it was, in, it is incredible. And it's also great because like most of it was original, like the original filming props rather than like replicas. It was all the stuff. It was nice to see it get a second lease of life after all these years. And also kind of like, wow, you guys kept that? Like, Like, that's still hanging around. Like, that, I don't know if that was a student ID. I wouldn't, yeah, yeah. When when you (laughs) said that, I was like,
2: that should have been in the skip. Pearl Mackey should have made that. Should have uh, (laughs) have pocketed that, you know. It's funny what they have just lying about and and what what they deem good enough to keep.
0: Well, I mean, there's still stuff like, you know, know, even though it's quite rare. uh, I remember in 2013 for the 50th anniversary, uh, the national. Media Museum in Bradford did a like Doctor Who exhibition and they asked for donations from fans like artwork related and I had one of my paintings in the exhibition because mm-hmm. I one of my friends works there and he said have you got anything that's unique besides you know we've got loads of like you know people sending in action figures or offering stuff like that and I remember when I actually went to uh, the exhibition um obviously somebody had donated for the exhibition for it to be on display it was the 60s servo robot from the wheel in space and i thought yeah. i didn't even know that still existed you know yeah. and so it's great that obviously these kind of like things still like sometimes in the hands of collectors or fans and stuff but it's also great that you we get a chance to see them on screen as well is there any particular items that obviously looking at your website you've you've made countless items and you know there's loads of brilliant you know stuff that you've got on there is there anything that you've like wanted to make that you've then like either come across like a problem and you can't do it or is there anything that you've got in the pipeline that you know you know we wanted to kind of like give us a little preview of
2: well i'd um, love to make a full-size uh tenant and Eccleston console that's and the problem idea, I've run into yeah. is I don't have space for one. <laughs> um, might that. We yeah. said it's the <laughs> hardest console on that list. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that, no, the, it's on all uh, our
3: lists.
2: boxes and, and consoles yeah. are the ones that I want to do when we've got the space for it. I just want I just want one. And that'll be my lunch break when we're working. I'll just go and run around that for like an hour and then get back to work. <laughs> yeah uh
1: mine mine would be the uh orange spacesuit from Mm. the satan pit impossible planet wars of Mars episodes that is my holy grail of things that i i i've been collecting parts for it for years i've got my bits for it down there i have i have got basically everything you need to make one now but the only thing stopping me is time uh an ability to sew orange you know fabric together um and uh, one blender model of of a neck brace, effectively. <laughs> that's, I think that's all we need to finish now to actually have that done. So that's something we're working on currently. Um, we're currently putting together some... Uh, we're hoping to have a full mannequin of the spacesuit because we've been asked to do an event later on in the year um, at the Space Centre, uh, and it will be cool to be able to have that as part of the display. Um, so that's my one, at least. Um, so we are working
3: on it, but it's just a case of getting mm. to it. Um, finally done I'm, yeah I was going to say I'm quite happy with everything we've done so far like for me it was well Nickston the screwdriver is now and it was always a screwdriver for me but I know if Dan was here he'd be saying he, he wants a full-size K9 made out mm-hmm. I was, was, was going to say Mr. Time. Smith <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, no, <laughs> Mr. Smith as well yeah so plenty of Sarah Jane stuff from Dan w- would be on that list yeah Dan's a huge not, fan of yeah he yeah. is yeah
2: Yeah, he's a big. He's got a lot. He's got a lot of um, the original props from that. So he's got the uh, the original hero berserker pendant um, from Curse of Clyde Langer. I think no, that's that's from the Mark of the Berserker. Mark of the Berserker. Sorry, Um, I'll I'll be sacked for that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, your resignation. He Um. Um, he owns one of the original production um, Androvax heads um you haven't even got to the bannerman road sign he owns yeah well i was saving best for last <laughs> he owns I one do. of the, yeah, the, be- the, the best the best is the alan of... oh yes yeah he also owns the full-size alan jackson statue from uh the gorgon episode um and oh, like wow. the full-on thing and it's got the like tubes for his tear ducts <laughs> you know when he cries yeah. in the episode yeah some someone was selling that on eBay for like two hundred and fifty quid. They clearly had no idea what they had, because it's wow. a, full-on, full it a full on full statue of Alan statue, Jackson. It's like, <laughs> yeah. tall. It's ridiculous. Yeah, of, <laughs>
4: Yeah. It's uh yeah. yeah, it's a fun one. That's amazing. And, and then for the season fifteen trailer, um thing right saying you made the Dalek gun for Leela and yes. The Wayfinder. Yes, we did, what, what, yeah. So, different challenges of, of making sort of a known prop um, versus designing one from
3: scratch? Um, we, were, we were ready to that's make something new, question. I think. Like, we were excited for it. Yeah, it's kind
2: of, when you, when you make things that exist so much, it's kind of nice to do something that's like, okay, we get to show off a little bit now and, and flex our creative muscles and do something that's not been done and do something that's new.
3: It was still very much all the same technologies that we were used to using, though. It was the same sort of process, but we just had... Like we we didn't have to be so like tedious about it. We could make things I think exactly that's the way we thing. want them mm. to be. Yeah. We we're,
1: we're always fighting with a hand behind our back when we're trying to copy something because you're trying to like match the exact thing. Like we go to extreme lengths to match weird details. Like we sit there and go, Why have they done that? And we're like, but we must do it because it's right. Um <laughs> and so like that's the level of pedantic we get to. So when it's like Oh, we can just make this. Doesn't we don't have to copy anything. It's like suddenly like hitting the open road after being stuck behind a tractor. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's amazing to be able to do that. So it was an incredibly easy process in the grand scheme of things for us to actually put these together. Um, I mean, with the Wayfinder, we had we had been given a drawing. Um, so Pete had produced it, this yeah, a very basic artwork. concept
2: sketch from Pete. <laughs>
1: it was it was a disc of, was MS of gold Paint's with finest. a
3: disc
1: <laughs> of, of green in the middle. Um, I'd spoken to him recently, and he'd said that uh, his basis on that was he, he based the sort of shape of it on the recall device that Peter Davison uses in the Five Doctors, um, and then yeah. it was mixed with the Wayfinder prop, obviously from Rise of Skywalker. Um, so the Sif Wayfinder, so that's where the green and the sort of weathering came from there. Oh, so okay. once you kind of, well, we, I knew it was when you said Wayfinder, obviously went, okay, well, you mean, you mean this prop from Star Wars? Um, and so we took elements of that, but we wanted to mix it in with a bit of time Lord stuff. So there was a sort of confession dial, obviously from series nine that had a lot of influence over the kind of finish of it. Um, uh, but we did throw in a lot of our own stuff into there, um, to make it feel a little bit, uh, you know unique rather than just a copy of something else that had already appeared um i mean we managed to get all of our names on it all all (laughs) the gallifreyan symbols Um, it's just it's our names um there's a few curveballs in there there was like elizabeth sladen's name is on there um and then katie manning was on there as well and then pete uh, mctyre the the director's on there and then a few others had made it in um but it was very interesting because people on twitter had started to try and decipher the symbols yeah there's a twitter thread just <laughs> yeah. going through
3: he's found a decent amount of them hasn't he
2: there yeah, was an interesting difference with doing the wayfinder an interesting sort of process change in that suddenly we had like varying designs of the wayfinder so originally the sort of gallifrey and symbols around the outside were going to be clear and the lights were going to shine through those and the we suddenly had to go through like an approval process with pete and so we had to start thinking about okay this is going to be shot in the day how well are the lights going to read on camera how can we make this you know do what we want it to do but make it translate on camera in the way that we want it to um so that was a new sort of challenge that we had to start thinking about we had to like quickly prototype some small pieces to try and see if it would work i remember like printing a load of clear pieces and going outside with an led and a clear piece on top like taking photos in like direct sunlight in partial shade to try and see if if what our plans were were going to work and stuff like that so we had like varying steps of the design um but yeah it was it was really cool to see it in, yeah on screen
1: but in comparison to the Dalek gun, as you say, obviously that's a pre-existing design. We did actually. So with that one, ori- <laughs> yeah, or,
3: uh,
1: well, originally oh, the cool. the the general premise was that Leader was meant to have a Time Lord gun. Um, that was that was that was the main thing. She was meant to have that, and it wasn't until I had a call with Pete um, where we were chatting, obviously about the Wayfinder. But then I kind of went off the back of the previously mentioned. Uh, if you need a sonic lipstick, I've got several of them. I was like do you need anything else for this trailer just before we finish anything else you're thinking of that you would need that i might just have lying around somewhere um and he was like oh do you have a dalek gun i'm like well i have a dalek which has a gun attached to it so yes um but then it developed that we needed a modern series dalek gun my one's a 60s one uh, but we had already started to work on a modern one so we had the front half of the whisk um, but it didn't have any of these back details, which I mean, Josh can show you if he if he gets it down. Um, and so uh, effectively, we kind of went, OK, so you want a sort of Time War era Dalek gun. Um, what we'll do is we'll uh, design something to go on the back of it, which is a bit more detailed. So it's less like it's just a, a prop, more so it's like an actual um, piece of Different technology. Dalek, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. with this, uh there was a lot of inspiration taken for the front half of the gun's very much based on the Metaltron style Van Staten Dalek from Dalek, um with a lot of the inspiration taken from there. Uh I was very adamant that I wanted the petals um, back in the end of the gun from
2: the classic era because they hadn't been seen since uh, Revelation. Yeah, Louise, Louise Jameson did a number on this thing, and one of the petals is broken, and the uh, <laughs> the Mo flash lens oh, no. at the end, James, is actually coming out now.
1: How <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, so, so, <laughs> so the the, the, I
2: mean, the
1: end has a, a little, da- you know, the dome lights on the new series Daleks. We put a very small version of them in the end, which lights up blue when when you uh, when you exterminate someone, and then moving down the gun, the back half is very much based on the gun that Capaldi uses to threaten the Daleks within Magician's Apprentice, um, but painted in the uh, bronze Dalek livery rather than a sort of silver and black that Capaldi had it in. And then um, the back half is very much based on the Genesis gun stick that Tom Baker obviously uses to destroy the tapes with and everything, so that's where the big red cable came from. Um, One fun detail on it, my favourite detail, (laughs) which I argued for, is the Doctor Octopus arm there. So the the little bit that connects the, the cable to there is it's actually bit, yeah. based... Yeah. Um, so in 2004, obviously, Dr. Octopus was the main villain in Spider-Man yeah. 2. And when they were making Dalek, that had just come out. And so there was a toy of Dr. Octopus's arms that came out. And when they made the interior of the Dalek, when it opens up, uh, there's like ribbing at the front, and that's just little Dr. Octopus arms. Um, and so I was oh. very... It's one of those details that always makes me laugh, so I really want to bring back the Dr. Octopus arms, if they're good. Um, well,
2: there's a lovely shot of them as well in the trailer. <laughs> Toybiz
0: had the license, and obviously Hasbro have got the license now, and speaking of which, that's You've
1: got a bit of is. You've got a bit oh, of Dalek now. there.
0: Yeah, so I've got pieces of Dalek, and they've actually you. <laughs> yeah, there
2: you go. That is a fun bit of prop making. It's just like... You look at a lot of the props, especially in 2004 and 2005, when the budget wasn't huge, like Series One, they're just trying to prove that this can work. So much stuff is just kit bashed. Like, mm you know it's just bits of random junk like bobs bits has eaten has dined out on <laughs> on doctor who for a long time it's just yeah. random little bits of stuff that are like glued or screwed on somewhere and that becomes something else i think that's one of the wonders of prop making is that you can turn doctor octopus uh, doctor octopus toy into the insides of a, a dalek and it works like it's kind of it's a fun little thing. Can you get away with it? like I yeah. mean, Obviously,
1: people have noticed, but the general public will have just seen that and gone, oh, that looks cool, and they wouldn't have thought anything of it, really. So it is, it is a, a fascinating bit of, well, I guess, wizardry, a bit of magician sort of style things where you're taking... It's an illusion. You're taking something that already exists and making it seem like it's new, um, which is sort of wonderful with, with, with how these props are made, especially, as you say, in 2005 when everything was... I mean, the Vortex Manipulator is just made of old telephones... You know, Hmm. it's the main buttons taken from a Samsung flip phone, and there's some from a radio on there, and a bit of garden sprinkler and sprinkler (laughs) uh, mesh. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's all terrible. It reminds me a
0: lot of um, Derek Meddings, the uh, you know brilliant model maker who um, started out with Gerry Anderson and then moved on to like stuff like the Bond films and. And Superman movies um, and he said that he was always really miffed every time an episode of Thunderbirds was shown because in the Thunderbird one hangar on the wall spray painted silver as part of the wall thing is a lemon squeezer <laughs> now the audience will never see that it's a lemon squeezer they'll just see that it, it looks like a kind of like bit of mechanics on the wall but he says every time i see an episode of thunderbirds i my eyes go straight to the lemon squeezer on the wall
1: <laughs> well i mean that's 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 fun because obviously thunderbirds is where the the doctor who got a lot of its props from um yeah. there was there was a lot of um like garage sales basically of of, of jerry the Anderson sonic props.
2: screwdriver prop yeah. came from them
1: yeah. The Sonic Screwdriver prop, the original John Pertwee one, was a hand-me-down from the Thunderbirds Argo movie, um, with a bit of Captain Scarlet stuck on the top of it. There was a microphone that Captain Blue used, which was a red ring with a little bullet in the middle and a black bit, and that was then stuck into the screwdriver from Thunderbirds, and that became the the
2: original main Sonic Screwdriver design. Um, so again, it's, it's just it's just kit bashing and and putting things together. It's it's funny. Just going back to what you said earlier,
0: obviously, like you know, you you have a level of penitry to you because you you like to get things accurate. Has there been anything in obviously in, in like you know when you've been making all all, you know, all these like props? Is there anything that you've might have missed and then you've got wrong? And then obviously we know what Doctor Who fans are; their eyes will <laughs> go straight for the thing that's wrong. Is there
2: anything that you've you've not got right the first time? There's a couple of things we got wrong on like prototypes. Just like small yep. little details, but like people notice really small details. Like we made we made a we made a stunt screwdriver from uh, like the Tenant era, and to one to, of the yeah. one of the chamfers wasn't quite like tight enough, and somebody went, "Oh, that's not right," and we were like. It's true. (laughs) It it, it doesn't happen very often. I'll give them like to be fair, because we're probably
1: the worst critics. Yeah, yeah, we are. Like we are the most pedantic. So. If it if it we're gets past us and we're in trouble, <laughs> there's sometimes where where things do slip through the net, but it is very rare that it happens. But they will they will find us if it. Well, happens. it's because we
3: spend like a lot of time on them as well, like maybe months, sometimes like close to a year, just like developing designs. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it is. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it 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 is that, but there is. There is a level of. I mean, I think the, the main thing is we worry that if we let something out through the gate, we know they will find it very quickly. So we make sure that nothing gets yeah. out the gate. Um, but there, there, as Josh said, there is occasion. There was one time with the. We did the neural relay from. Um, uh, what was it? Yes. That? From. From, from uh, Hellbent. Series, yeah, Series 9, the sort of. Um, the, the, the neural block that wipes Capaldi's
2: memory. And there, there was something wrong with that. What was it? was it? There the, was a. screw Screw. hole missing on the back that was it and literally we posted a photo of it and within about five minutes somebody from america bear in mind we posted it at like six o'clock uk time somebody from america went where's the screw hole on the back and we're like for god's sake (laughs) 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 so we'd spent like months on the model weeks on the prototype getting it like cast and and it's one of those that's cold cast so it's not like a case of just like oh we'll tweak the model and on the next. 3d print it'll be fine it's like right okay now we've got to print new masters and cast an entire another you know mold an entire another set of masters for this um cold
1: casting yeah. for those who don't know is uh, where you uh, make a it's usually where you pour resin in uh, to a mold and it does that with cold casting is where you put metallic powder into the mold and then you can buff up the outside of the resin shell and the powder will start to shine up, which is what we did on the Wayfinder and also what they did on like the Cybermen costumes for the David era. It's how they get the silver on there. So that's what cold casting is. Um, just as just people probably <laughs> don't know what that is. <laughs> you said it and I was like. I wish I oh. didn't
2: know what cold casting was. That <laughs> <it makes>, thing <laughs> makes so much of a mess.
1: <laughs> it is a pain. I mean,
2: the dust, isn't
1: it? Mm-hmm. Wire wool. Oh, um, wire is is my worst enemy.
4: Sorry, we're, we're hijacking the call cool now. That's <laughs> <wire wool. laughs> <laughs> all nice. No, it's really, really interesting. So did did you uh, mention before, James, the, the Dalek that you originally built with your granddad? It was a 60s Dalek.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, so um, it started off life as a dead planet Dalek. And then around 2015, I got bored one day and thought, what if I attach slats to it? So it's now a sort of uh, chase version of the Daleks. But um, that stemmed from effectively my granddad had gotten ill um, and uh, he was recovering from a surgery and he needed to sort of get back into the swing of things, uh, at which point I approached him with the idea of building a Dalek um, well, I didn't approach him. I approached my mum with the idea of it, and she said, "Oh, it would be good to give your granddad a project to do." I went, "What, really? <laughs> okay, then." Um, so uh, I sort which of which is your at classic
2: NHS rehabilitation program, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, rest, it's, recover, it's, build a Dalek. Yeah, it's 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 part of the plan,
1: um, and so uh that was basically we went and looked at the plans and went which one is the easiest one to build <laughs> which which one could a bunch of people in in north london have put together on a budget of nothing in in 1963 and i went oh ah, well, it's, well, it's clearly that one um so we we sort of set about it. although originally i had actually thought we would make like a scale one and i but i gave him the plans and i said to him could you could you scale this down and we'll start making it like one six scale or something and i turned up and there was just a, a full size bottom of a Dalek in his garage. and I went, oh, OK, I'm getting away with this, am I? Brilliant. <laughs> let's let's do it. So uh, so, yeah, he, he sort of came about from that. But he's he's, t- he's uh, 11 years old this year, actually. That's oh God. Um, but, yeah, he's he, he's nice. He's a bit of work, though. His eye stalks on my bed at the moment. I need to fix him.
2: That's the Dalek, not your granddad,
1: though, right? (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) The NHS is is nowadays, to be fair. I I might have to do it myself. Um, (laughs) The wait times. But uh, no, I think he's kicked around somewhere. Although his eyestalk actually is at the moment uh, his gun stick as well. I needed a bit of tube to go up his eyestalk to test it out, and so I just sort of shoved the gun up it. So it's this weird sort of (laughs) (laughs) double-ended lightsaber
0: sort of deal. And is it fully working? You can get in it and you can move around in it. It's got the voice modulator in it and everything.
1: Yeah, so it, 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 the eye stalk goes up and down, the head swivels, you can move the gun stick. It's got a sort well, of I flint have the stone voice power. modulator right now, don't I? Kaz that has the voice weird? modulator. Yeah. So after, after many years, he's, uh, he's needing, as I said, a bit of TLC. Uh, and so uh, Kaz is going to be fixing the voice modulator because at some point it stopped working. Um, though it's it's quite a strange one. It was made by my friend Wayne uh, originally back in when I when I made the Dalek, um, and he's a bit old school, so it's like got like actual like like radio
3: valves and stuff. It is on It's really like, nice. Like I really like mm-hmm. it. It's just it's just really well built. It's it's just a cool thing, even as even if it wasn't uh, just a voice. I've modifier. got it.
1: I've got part of it here, not exactly what it is, but effectively he used like this, which was like a lunchbox to put it in. So it was on the back. So there's just a dial and like a bunch of uh, like. Different voice settings you can change it to, and then the big valve on the top. Um, it is just
3: like a prop in itself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go grab the ice stock It's on the other side of the room. I'll be back.
4: That's so cool. I think it's probably thing most Doctor Who fans kind of uh, aspire to, isn't it? I know. Uh, I'd, uh, love yeah. It. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I love A full size a full size tardis
2: in the, uh, in the back yeah. garden. Yeah. 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 Dreams put to uh, the I, want, I want both at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I want to build a new series, Dalek. I think they're they're really just nice. I think, uh, yeah, the the, the Time War ones. Yeah, just, I think the bronze ones were just yeah.
3: a
1: masterpiece of like it, it's such a great update to the classic. Design. You're biased as well.
3: We grew up with them. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're completely yeah. biased. But uh, I'm sure every, everyone gets
2: to say this, but it's the golden age of of you know designs. I think we had the best Dalek and the best Cyberman. Those original like cyber Cybermen are just iconic to me. I think they're mm. perfect. They just look so good. Now,
1: I'm quite fond of a revenge Cyberman though. Myself, to be fair, I think there's just is that the one so you got weird. behind you. Uh, yeah, that one, that that mm. head over there. I, th- I think oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. I think yeah. such a, a sort of. It is, I just, I don't know what it is. I just love revenge. Really, I think it's such a <laughs> wonderful camp story.
4: <laughs> yeah, Earth Shock style Cyberman for me. Yeah, yeah, because they're the ones I grew up with as well. The '80s Cybermen. Really... I think
1: I think this is the the meeting of the the, the new versus the sort of '80s fans. Where yeah. I, when when he said, "Oh, they're just the best design," I thought someone in here is going to say, "I like Earthshock more than the others." That's that's the two school. Like, it's rare. No one, no one ever really rocks up and goes, "You know, the invasion, what a, wheel in space? What a cracking design!" It's always, it's always,
2: oh, I like the Earthshocks or I like a new one. Um, I've realised I've also just said a definitive statement about a design of a doctor who monster on a doctor who podcast. So that's going to, I can't leave my house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Leave your (laughs)
3: comments down below.
1: (laughs) Someone, yeah, I've said it as well. Now someone's going to go, actually I really like the wheel in space All two parts of it that weren't set on
4: fire. Um, So, yeah. I did think that before Jason, when you were talking about the servo robots still existing, like they've, been looked after better than the actual episodes haven't they? <laughs> so. Well that was owned by my friend Colin, he had the servo robot he also had like the servo
1: shut off from Keeper of Trarkin and a bunch of other props that had made their way out and uh, I remember him posting pictures of, of that, he's a big Cyberman and 60s fans so that was like the, the crown jewel of his thing, I think he sold it now to another collector I can't remember if he did um, but uh, he, he'd looked after it for years and it appeared at some events obviously had appeared at uh, your, your thing so, uh, just obviously, you know, you, you,
0: you guys are making the props, uh, you know, and that's going really, really well. Is, is there anything that you'd, you're you wanting to, like, you know, i have Doctor Who-wise or anything else that you'd like to diverse into? I mean, um, cause him and Josh mentioned, like, you know, they got into, like, the Doctor Who action figures, like, in early on. Is there anything like, you know, that, you know, I mean, because there's a huge market in custom-built, like, you know, kind of mm. like, you know,
1: action figures um for the collection well, um we had worked for big chief studios before they closed down we'd done actually the accessories for the uh, definitive ninth and tenth doctor figures um we'd also been working on the uh screwdriver for the prototype 14th doctor figure and i'd, I'd worked on the jack harkness one so we'd, we'd had experience uh doing that um and yeah. We've spoken to character options. Um, nothing, nothing definitive or anything has come out of that yet. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is all I can tell you. Basically, is the fact that we've spoken to them. But we would love to be able to, because all it is is translating what we're doing in full size down to a yeah. certain scale. And I think that's that's a, a pretty cool thing to be able to do. And as you say, there's a lot of um, hype around the custom figures of them. I mean, I just bought a Famarsi that was uh, up up the other day. Um, so I'm very excited to to get my little green my green son, um, but uh, I, I think I think it's so wonderful to be able because not everyone I mean as I say like not everyone can just. Have this lying around, um, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm holding a Dalek gun for listeners. I realise we're on a, on a podcast, um, so um, you know, not everyone has space for such giant things to be kicking around the house. So it's it's wonderful to be able to have a representation of something you 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 know love, but it, it takes up that much space on a shelf. And um, in the sense of the fact that we love props, it's great to be able to make small props that can go along with these things. Because I mean. Uh, obviously the the 14th Doctor figure came out from character options, but he didn't come with his screwdriver and stuff like that. Like it's wonderful to be able to make the things to go along with the figures because I'm always going, well, this is great, but why don't I have this figure to go? why why don't I have this accessory with it? Like I'd want a little psychic paper or something, you know, there's nothing like that that comes with some of them. Um, So it's nice to be able to look into that.
2: And the other thing we were talking about doing is like, we'd quite like to do like little sort of, I suppose, dioramas yeah play in sets. a sense we, we, little like play sets like um our cabin model Dan has done done the like sarah jane's attic he's modeled that entirely so it'd just be a case of like shrinking that down printing it and painting it we've got an amazing um uh somebody who does amazing model work on our team uh, a guy called nice. matt woodhouse um okay. Uh, who collector on instagram i don't know if you've come across his page but he does amazing scale model work um we bought a one of his special weapons dalek the one six was it one six something yeah, like it that was, it was a one, one six, six scale special weapons Dalek. Uh, we and, bought that to a phantom a event yeah. he, we also had his pert we won that. Yeah. yeah that was like one of our most asked
3: about things yeah the and they just I it, love that
2: it's stunning work so it's it's Something we'd like to do, and something we're, we're looking at doing at the moment. Um, like we want to do, you know, scale TARDIS boxes and, and things like that. Um, TARDIS play sets is obviously yeah. the, the big one, yeah. And, and like, equally, not, Hubs not just like play sets and Sarah Jane's <laughs> Attic play sets, things that haven't really been done
1: before, yeah. I mean, we if we bring out the um, McCoy. TARDIS playset. We have to make the, the console five sides rather than six because that's <laughs> yeah. the unwritten law. It's it's in the DAPOL contract. Yeah. Um, so that would be um, that would be the only stipulation I'd make. Is I don't think we should ever get a, a six sided one. Um, but uh, it's wrong. We can't correct the mistakes of the past. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think obviously TARDIS think- playsets. <laughs> Uh, what is the other thing that wasn't there one that spun round? Was that the Denny Fisher one where you could spin it round and the figure would disappear inside? Oh, the Oh,
0: yeah, I had that. This is I'm showing how old I am now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Dennis Fisher TARDIS, and it was based on the actual Migo Star Trek transporter, and they yes. just put it in a TARDIS shell. Uh, have you ever seen the episode of The Big Bang Theory yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. buy one and he t- plays within it and he breaks it? You literally put your Tom Baker doll action figure as it was in you close the doors you span the 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 lantern at the top and you pressed one of the buttons and then doctor who disappeared and it was always like as a kid i was always like hold on why is doctor who disappeared why isn't
2: the time
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> i saw yeah. somebody do that on like a youtube short recently they were like yeah and that's how it goes in the show we all know that <laughs> The TARDIS stays there, but the Doctor just disappears. That's exactly right. <laughs> if you watch the original
0: advert, which uh, I think I put on one of my YouTube videos, um, it actually says like Leela defends. Um the Doctor against the uh, the Daleks and the Cybermen and obviously they're moving the action figures around. He says, Whilst the doctor goes in the TARDIS and gets away and they spin it's like behind.
1: I mean that's the thing, those toy adverts are completely unhinged. I was watching the character options one the other day and the, the, the series four one came out and there's a bit of like the doctor and Donna free the Ood from slavery. And I'm like, I'm oh, sorry, what? <laughs> I, I mean, yes, that is what happens in the episode, but this is a very interesting toy. Like you had all of the other, uh, figures to choose from to talk about for series four. And that's the thing we honed in on for the, uh, planet of the Ood episode. I'm like, I mean, Ood writes, of course, but, uh, <laughs> not, not what I would have probably chosen for my, uh, my advert. But, um, Those adverts were brilliant. They oh, were. <laughs> I mean, the other thing was, Doctor Who never solved any problems in those adverts. It's always quick, get to the TARDIS and get away! Yeah. And it's like, well, hang on a second, but the, what about the Daleks?
4: Or the Krillatane or whatever, like, what, what is this?
1: they have gone back yeah. to the
4: heart in all ears, haven't they? Just just get out of there. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> yeah, run, just it. get away. <laughs>
1: yeah. Don't solve the problem. In fact, we'll incite violence by getting the Fowls to start a fight with the Daleks and then we'll get away because we need our small bit of, you know, tube and discs. Good fun. <laughs> Again, though props, props have a key plot part in all stories, I find, with these things. When you, when you really look at them, most of the time things lead back to that. The whole fluid link is the entire central plot device of the Daleks, basically, because he uses it to get them to the city. And then when he tries to get away from the city, they need to go back and find it because they've left it behind. Um, so it all stems from this, this tiny bit of Perspex with some disks on it.
0: So, obviously, you're huge fans of Doctor Who as well. And is there any other, like, kind of, like, shows where you'd like to, like, kind of, like, you know, move into, like, making props of or any, like, films or anything? Or or do you kind of, like, feel as if, like, we can step away from that because we don't want to get like a lawsuit from Disney or Lucasfilm. <laughs> I Star, mean, telling... Star no.
1: Wars is probably the big one, isn't it? I think, I think yeah. we're all, we're all big Star Wars fans and we'd love to work on anything to do with Star Wars, the the movies, the sort of Disney plus shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, that'd be probably the, the one of the dream roles to get. I mean, with Doctor Who, we're, we're doing so, so much with it already that it would be lovely to sort of move into one of those other areas. Um, Uh, But other than Star Wars, I'm trying to think if there's any other... I'd like to do some
2: Indiana Jones props.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Like, that was one of those, you know, film series that my dad said when I was young. He was like, this is a great series of films. You must sit down and watch this. And then, you know, I was 11 running around the garden with a bit of rope and a hat pretending that Mm -hmm. I was... You know Indiana Jones, so like there's a lot of like cool little props from that. Um, but yeah, Star Wars is 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 really cool. Um, I know Kaz has a affinity for Back to the
3: Future. Oh yeah, I absolutely oh, yeah. love Back to the Future. I've always wanted if I could get a DeLorean, I'd get a DeLorean, but that's uh, basically <laughs> impossible. But I've always wanted a flux capacitor and the time circuits and all of, all of the technology that was in the in the DeLorean. That that would be the best thing ever, honestly. But obviously, can that's make that's a, long.
0: A hoverboard for us, please.
3: Oh, uh, we can we can give it a go. I mean, we can make one that uh, doesn't hover, but uh, I suppose that defeats the purpose. Hovering is extra. Yeah,
1: yeah. One of our friends has a screen-used hoverboard that we we've currently got access to. Um, so it's something we'd look at making eventually i mean he's got such an impressive collection like he's got a, like a ghostbusters trap in his collection and stuff like that so there's a lot of things like that that yeah. I'd, I'd be tempted to eventually get around to making because i mean pirates of the caribbean is probably one of the ones i'd really like to make some yeah coffee. the compass yeah. and uh you know the dead man's chest key and well, the dead man's chest in general stuff like that's really cool and then indiana jones as josh said i'm i'm quite a fan of 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 that as well um so, just any sort of props from those franchises would be really cool to do.
3: Um, we do also want to like, we're happy to find like new work, like anything new that comes up. Or we really want to get in on anything really, like anything creative, like somewhere you know maybe it's a new show or a, or a new film where you know maybe there's like completely different types of designs. Like that would be something fun to work on, which is why <clears> we want to set up like a proper shop for ourselves once. We have the funds to do so. So that's definitely something we want to do in the future. Mm. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of fun doing into... Jacob
1: Dudman's short film. Movie yes, movie. Yeah, that was, that was a nice stuff. We, we, we got to make some alien heads. Josh did the sculpting on these alien heads. Kaz did some digital sculpting for it. Mm-hmm. One um, of them lives up there, actually, but he's a bit <laughs> far away to get. <laughs> so, yeah, we did these alien heads for that short film, and that was nothing related to anything, really. So it was, ju- it was just. Yeah, we made some communicators as well to, be... to
3: go with them. Which was yeah those yeah, are cool the, those
1: are cool props those are on the other side. I've, of I've got room. one somewhere <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah, they're all in the distance. It is an audio yeah. thing, to be fair. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that's true. We yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: keep showing things off like the, the at
3: the. Problem with our job look, being
1: yeah.
2: very visual, it's, yeah. it's less yeah. so.
1: Yeah, we did this. It's now like, would you like to see this thing? Oh, what, you and
2: you can't props talk. don't make sound, so it's not like we could like show <laughs> yeah. off a sound that a prop is making. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, have you got anything in the pipeline from Doctor Who that you you've got currently, like you're working on? For instance, obviously, um, we've seen in the Christmas special, Shooty's new, very unique Sonic <laughs> Screwdriver. Is that something that you're currently like looking at doing? Or
2: uh, doing we... who wants to take this looked, one? Yeah, <laughs> we looked at it. Uh, I really like the design, personally. I think it's it's very unique, um, and I've I checked it to. Shooty. Yeah, I think I I enjoyed seeing it in the episode as well. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things it can do, um, but it is not an easy thing to conceptualize in a in a digital 3D space. I spoke to the guy who designed it, um, and he said he was pulling his hair out actually making the original model so i think we would all collectively lose even more of our hairlines if we tried to then <laughs> redo what he'd done um but that's
1: the problem because we're such yeah. perfectionists that if we can't get it right then there's no point trying and considering the way he made it involved a, a, a sort of a lot of digital sculpting elements as well which means it's it's liter- it's not like it's a I can get this angle right because it's a it's a consistent curve. It's all a little bit hand done in a way to the point that you can't physically replicate it. Which means if we, no matter how hard we try, it's
2: never going There'll to. There'll always correct. be something that's off. Uh, there's there's things about that that screwdriver that are just nuts. And he was like, "Yeah, you'll never, you know, guess how this was done no, and stuff like that."
3: And, and oh yeah,
2: yeah. There's there's mechanisms um, and. You know all sorts of different though, like, props that do LEDs different. I was going to say yeah, 17 LEDs or something yeah. like that in there.
1: Um, so it. So it's crazy. I mean, the other thing though is if the BBC bring out a professional replica of it, um, they'll be able to just have the files from the original prop to then redo so at that point like we can't ever do better we're not that. bringing anything like, to that really <laughs> yeah there's nothing whereas some props like uh you know if it's from the classic era and all data on it is basically lost or we've got to hunt down whoever owns the original prop now and we can scan it into the computer like we can add something to that that the bbc wouldn't necessarily have had originally but in this case it's one of those things that's like well there's nothing we can actually do to make it um any any better than that effectively But we have got some cool things in the sort of pipeline at the moment. One thing that we've been working on recently, uh, I think it's fine to say, is uh, um, the cards that were used in the Giggle, um, the toy maker's deck of cards. Um, We managed to find a lot of the original elements used to create those and have made uh, a completely custom
2: deck of cards with, you know, hand drawn (laughs) Uh uh, backs because they're all slightly. Uh, Dodgy spear, and wonky. Yeah,
1: little um, hand drawn stuff. And yeah, yeah, then so we're getting them professionally printed so that you can actually use them as playing cards that are just happen to be themed around that show as well. So um,
4: stuff like that. You know, that that's quite fun to be able to work on at the moment. Fantastic. And and that'll be available through your website, LittleShopprops.com. Mm-hmm. I don't, yes, think, we've yes, really, I don't yeah. think we've made it made it clear that you also you kind of sell your uh, your creations through that as well and if we've, uh, if we've talked about your work that's been on screen but but you can also buy these as well from uh, from your website mm-hmm. yeah yes. we, we, we sometimes do
1: limited runs of, of items and so forth that go on on the site and then they uh they sort of ebb and flow in as they go so yeah yeah if you just check out the website there'll be there's usually something on there at some points um so yeah these will be available via that um we, we're only getting a certain number of packs to begin with of the, of the cards um, but yeah you're, you can pick them up from there
4: Fantastic that sounds really really good We'll put a link in that to the show notes as well yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you
1: well, it's When they're out I mean that's a sneak preview there we haven't even yeah. announced those yeah. yet we, we, uh, <laughs> <the prototype. laughs> we won't even have the prototype here for another week or so yeah. So um, <laughs> I think most people
0: understand, like, you know, like obviously it takes a while for all these kind of like things to, you know, get made. You've got a prototype, you've got to approve it. It's then got to go to like, you've got to manufacture the thing, haven't you? So it's, mm-hmm. it's not as like it's going to be available next week, but certainly like when it's, uh, when they come online, uh, it'll mm-hmm. be uh, great to actually uh, see those.
2: Yeah, no, they're, they're a really cool little one
1: yeah no, they're really, I'm really happy with how they turned out as well um they're done by our, our graphic designer but uh effectively um a lot of our stuff on our shops are usually like made to order as well because they literally' treated like like almost like you're getting a, an original prop made is effectively how it, how it rolls is um we, we make them from scratch um we do have some uh already in stock items that you can just sort of pick up and and it gets sent out immediately whereas um a lot of the time it's it is made to order depending on that so you get it completely custom made from scratch yeah um and then also sometimes you can put in requests and so forth but we we don't do those too often but uh, (laughs) sometimes someone goes oh could i have it without sound or with sound or have the light be a slightly different color or could you do this with the paint um so it's it's nice to be able to give that level of sort of service with with our creations as well um and also if you know anyone ever needs them for another collection box that trailer and so forth there's you know Mm. loads (laughs) of things Sort of <laughs> kicking around, or Big Finish. Big Finish use a lot of our stuff uh, yeah. a lot of the time for their cover arts because there's just not enough good images. I mean, no one ever took any pictures of Tom Baker holding his sonic screwdriver, so there's yeah. um, a lot of a lot of cases where you need to kind of go, okay, well, I, I need a, like a Tom Baker hand to Photoshop on. So um, it's nice to be able to provide those. We have to trap one. Emergency alert to all radar stations. Well, I mean, um,
0: I think we've covered everything there, unless there's anything else you want to tell us about. I,
2: I, I think we've we've covered just about everything, I think, there. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Death, nothing that we're allowed to say anymore after that, I don't yeah. think. But, yeah, uh... start <laughs> getting into the things we're not allowed to speak about yet.
0: What <laughs> the next collection box set is, we think going...
1: <laughs> They made more Doctor Who than just, like, 13 seasons? I, I didn't know, um, but yeah... Uh... <laughs>
0: Uh, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to join us on on this podcast and obviously uh, taking up the time of your evening uh, today so um, thank you very much James, Josh and Kazim and obviously we always like to round off the um, podcast by asking you where you can be found like obviously Mark's um, given out the website but where individually can you uh, be found
2: online uh, I'm on Instagram Instagram either doing stuff on on the little shop props Instagram or uh, Josh Martin props is is my handle same on Twitter I believe although I don't really use Twitter it's it's bad vibes <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do
1: work under Sutton's underscore workshop on um, I think that's Sutton underscore workshop on uh, Instagram where you can sort of see the, the my portfolio of props um, I also have scarecrow props which is where I post more so less professional work, more so my collection of things, because I also collect like um, props for my general sort of thing, the same way you have your Dr. Octopus action figure. Um, I have various uh, things lying around, like I collect screen use props uh, and and just general stuff on Scarecrow props. Well, I also do YouTube videos under that as well. And then on Twitter, I'm Scarecrow Sutton, I believe. Kaz uh, might have a much easier <laughs> description <Well>. of it. <laughs>
3: Well, um, I'm, my handle is cybernetic, um, which is a weird one to spell. But if you just go to the Little Shop Props Instagram, uh, you can find it there. So, yeah, I don't really post much, but um, you can message me anytime on there if, if you want to. Or if you just, like, request one of us on the Little Shop Props account, you can do that too. So you can find all of us there. And Mark? Yeah,
4: and I'm, I'm on Twitter and
3: Blue Sky, just as uh, at Quark
0: McMalus. And I'm on uh, Twitter still and Blue Sky as at Django Mac. And the uh, YouTube channel is called Bearded Geek Toy Reviews. Okay, thanks again, guys. It's been absolutely fantastic talking about you. It's been really, really fascinating. Yeah,
3: thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank really you thank having for having us on.
0: Thank
4: you very much. Thank you fascinating. Okay.
0: And uh, we'll have another Trap 1 pad- podcast on its way very, very shortly. So thank you very much for listening. And we will see you soon. Good night.